Welcome to this week's edition of Radioactive Magazine entitled A Spark of Hope on the Climate Crisis from the Heartland here on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio with host Dave Mitchell. Prior to our interview with our guest, James Fritz, founder of Mission Green LLC, I'd like to highlight some realities foundational to the dynamics of our time. Humanity is facing the twin human-induced cataclysms of the rapid warming of our climate and the mass extinction species, both existential threats to our living Earth's biodiversity and the viability of the human species. The 2015 Paris Agreement affirmed our global climate emergency, the necessity to rapidly reduce the burning of fossil fuels and limiting global warming to two degrees centigrade above the pre-industrial average. The March 2023 UN report indicated CO2 emissions must fall 60% by 2035 to limit warming to one and a half degrees centigrade and keep open the window for a sustainable world. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres stated, the climate time bomb is ticking and it will take a quantum leap in climate action. The inaugural 2022 UN Biodiversity Conference in Montreal highlighted the mass extinction species with an opening statement that included the observation, quote, nature and biodiversity is dying the death of a billion cuts. With Antonio Gutierrez stating, quote, we are committing suicide by proxy. In his 2015 encyclical Laudato Si, Pope Francis stated regarding the climate crisis, all is not lost. Human beings, while capable of the worst, are also capable of rising above themselves. Pope Francis emphasized using your pain for the world to find your role in constructive action and that there is no such thing as an insignificant act. Which brings me to our guest, Mr. James Fritz, a retired music teacher who lives in Decorah, Iowa, and is founder of Mission Green LLC. He had been a panelist on the October 25th webinar, Holy Heat Pumps, hosted by Interfaith Power and Light, and I was so impressed by his narrative as to how he worked with his church to make the decision to transfer into a net zero facility. I invited him to be on Radioactive Magazine. His efforts are emblematic of the kinds of creative activity that will, I believe, move many mountains in the coming decades as the ex external and internal pressures inherent in our existential crises continue to increase. Jim, we're so glad to have you on Radioactive Magazine, and welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Yeah, just really, really glad to have you on the show today. Uh, let's uh, let's get started here. Uh, prior to discussing your founding of Mission Green LLC and its work with the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church there in Decorah, Iowa, could you briefly describe your own evolution of awareness about global warming as an existential threat? Well, it's been a lifelong journey. I'm an Iowa farm boy, uh, so we live close to the earth. And I, I was a Boy Scout. And so convening with nature resonated with me personally. Um, I was an early climate activist when my high school biology teacher got me involved with the very first Earth Day in 1970. Uh, I made my first solar panel shortly thereafter out of a bunch of beer cans and some plywood with a plate glass. 
my dad helped me with it. And we discovered that we could create quite a bit of heat with just uh, radiant and passive sources. Um, I've, I felt close to the Mother Earth ethic throughout my entire life and, and have tried to live my life that way in the cars that I drive, the food that I eat, and the things that I consume. Later in life, I designed and built several structures that were energy efficient. Uh, I house next door is net zero. And of course, now we've had this project at Good Shepherd. My my personal goal is to try to produce less than I consume. So it, it's it been a lifelong effort for me. Well, that's so uh, you definitely, uh, uh, you definitely were onto those kinds of things uh, uh, much, much sooner than, uh, than I was. But uh, so in, in terms of, uh, in terms of your feeling that that the global warming is an existential threat, uh, what what is your own? Can you stay, say a little bit more about that? Sure, I you know I, I realize that uh, we are a planet of limited resources, and early on, I think it was probably more of a concern about just using up things. Um, because I was not aware of the cumulative effect of carbon emissions. And uh, it was probably in the last 10 years where, well, actually probably before that even, because um, I drove Volkswagens because they were the best cars for the mileage at the time, gas cars. And then I had a Prius and now I drive a Tesla. And so that that kind of ethic was like, you know, I, I worked for my uncle in a gas station and I realized how toxic uh, gasoline was and the fumes and and then just being around it inside a building when it was I, th I thought you know this just doesn't disappear it's it's gonna stay with us for a long time and I didn't realize how critical it was until probably Al Gore uh, and you know the, the his projections at the time the hockey stick and all that and and I think that started to all of a sudden you know I had I had bells going off at that point in time that I knew that there was, we were in, we were on a bad direction. And so I think that's probably where it all started. Right. Well, yeah, the, uh, the Paris agreement uh, talks about limiting uh, global warming to two degrees centigrade and, and that that beyond that's the red line beyond which catastrophic uh, consequences cannot be uh, prevented. And, uh, and we've already warmed the, the global average temperature to one degree centigrade. So we'll have a, a lot of room left. Uh, but um, anyway, to move on here, what can uh, what can you tell our audience about your founding of Mission Green LLC by you and your wife, its mission and purpose, and the uh, process involved in working with your church, the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, as it came to the decision to become a net zero facility? Well, um, Mission Green was formed due to a mutual ethic that my wife and I have that we share. Uh, we had done everything we could to our 1950s vintage home to make it as close to net zero as possible. But we weren't satisfied with uh, what we ended up with just simply because of the restrictions of the house construction and our possibilities for renewable energy on our lot. Um, the effort to create Mission Green came out of a desire to do more. Good Shepherd is only about two blocks from our house. I can almost see it from my, my uh, kitchen. Uh, so we decided if we couldn't do it more at our house, and we couldn't, uh, we just decided that we could make a difference at our church. And what difference was it if it was just two blocks away? We were still 
doing something for our, our community. So Mission Green is a mission with a company. Um, that that title of our company, you know, was very much driven by the fact that we are mission driven. Uh, we found a Mission Green to fulfill our desire to continue to move the needle on climate change and make that real difference in our community. Uh, the process to engage the congregation was lengthy. Uh, there's a lot of uh, information that we were, you know, needed to give them. Uh, we're both retired educators, so we did a lot of teaching. Um, our challenge was to educate the congregation on what was possible uh, with technologies uh, as they were changing and evolving and encourage them to reach for a stretch goal of carbon neutrality and, and net zero usage. Uh, this included a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, with neighbors and friends and members of the congregation that we wanted to kind of just sound them out and see what they thought. And then we went to small group co uh, conversations after that, and finally, full-blown presentations to our entire congregation. Uh, we also created a lot of informational newsletter explaining the goals and the technology, business models, and the timeline for completion. Basically showing them how with what they operated with for budget and what they were uh, needing to look forward to because we had aging uh, HVAC systems that were failing, extremely inefficient, and on right out in the front of our building up on the roof, and they were they were really ugly. So there was a, there was a lot of issues there that we were addressing at the time, um, and so it was a combination of all those things that we brought people on board, and eventually there was a full blown congregational vote. Uh, and it's a small congregation, but we uh, we succeeded with a 99 to four uh, vote for a successful completion of, uh, and starting this project. Well, that uh, th yeah, I was I was just really impressed when you reported that in the uh, the October 25th webinar, uh, Holy Heat Pumps, and and you know I, I just really it just uh, I was not aware that you actually engaged in one-on-one -on -one meetings with people in your congregation. I was, so obviously just a great deal of work there. Well, and there was a lot of a learning curve for both my wife and I, uh, because, you know, we're music educators. And so, and yeah, I mean, I've been active and aware, but heat pumps is a pretty new tech. I, I knew all about solar, but that's, in, that's changing as well. But it was really the heat pump portion of it that um, we kind of needed to work out our own uh, narrative as to what we were going to accomplish and how it would work for the congregation. And you, uh, you had some mentors from uh, Luther College in, in the formation of Mission Green. Isn't that correct? Well, uh, from the community and Luther College, we have in uh, we're Winnesheek County uh, in Iowa. That's the name of our county, and the Winnesheek Energy District is the very first energy district in the state of Iowa. Now there's an organization called the uh, Clean Energy Districts of Iowa. And there are, I believe, 13 uh, counties now that have copied the Winnesheek Energy District model. And there are three or four of them in Wisconsin that are the same thing. And the Winnesheek Energy District provided us with a lot of the technical details as to you know, what's a heat pump and why would you use it? And with our facilities, the way they were built, we didn't have too many choices about other options anyway, so we had to get creative. Um, but then there were also community members uh, and also uh, Luther College has a very substantial su sustainability effort. Um, but we went to our local banker, which Green Penny 
uh, Bank is a division of the Decora Bank, and it's available to anybody who would like to do uh, green initiatives. And that is the purpose of that division of their bank. So they helped us with financing. They helped us with business models. Um, we had some individuals who had done power purchase agreements in the past, and that was something that was totally new to us. So yeah, we reached out to a lot of mentors in our community, and we're fortunate that we have uh, kind of an embarrassment of riches of, of those types of individuals in our community to be able to lean on. So they really helped and made it possible for us to put our legs underneath us as, as Mission Green. So Mission Green, can you describe the relationship? Mission Green was formed to for this particular project, but but what there can you sort of uh, describe for our audience uh, how Mission Green related to the project and the completion of it with uh, your church? Well, it was a, a twofold process. First was a power purchase agreement, and that is a. a something that is through the IRS allows uh, nonprofits, and this was before the IRA bill. So nonprofits at that time could not take advantage of any of the tax benefits for solar that were uh, available at that time. Uh -huh. uh, so a, a business could come in and work with a nonprofit in, in tandem to uh, then be able to capture those tax benefits and then we are capturing those and then passing along those savings to the church. So basically, with all the solar that we put up, we are selling electricity to the congregation at a discount. Uh, and over a six-year period of time, they will continue to pay us for the electricity generated. And then as based on IRS uh, statute, uh, at the end of the, the PPA, Power Purchase Agreement, uh, there will be a buyout at a reasonable cost from the congregation, and they will own all of the solar. That was the first part. The second part was a lease, uh, just a traditional lease situation for the for the heat pumps. And that again is a six year uh, lease, and at that time it's a it's a lease to own. So when we reach the end of the six year period, they will own the heat pumps and they will purchase all of the solar and they will be uh, without energy expenses going forward. Well, that's just uh, really, really impressive. I, I think the uh, the thing to note here is that, that the decision to go forward uh, that was made by the church uh, with this agreement was made in June of 2022 and, and the Inflation Reduction Act was passed in August of 2022. So you just just missed uh, those benefits, but but uh, push come to shove. Uh, one thing I was really impressed with from your website on Mission Green LLC was that it's wisest to think globally than act locally. I was just really impressed with uh, with with that decision, and uh, and also I, I think uh, you know in our prior conversation you talked about how the uh, the congregation there at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church wanted to pay it forward. Yeah. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. You know, I I, I think there were there are moral implications for uh, people of faith. And personally, I believe it's humanity's obligation to preserve and protect the planet and the environment that I believe was God-given. Uh, additionally, I subscribe to the Iroquois philosophy that the decisions we make today should be sustainable for seven generations into the future. 
And while I don't have any grandchildren yet, if I ever do, I want to be able to look them straight in the eyes and tell them that I did everything in my power to ensure that they have a planet that would support a healthy lifestyle for them and their descendants. And I believe it's my moral obligation to make a difference for them. And I think we all share that obligation to future generations. We tried to make that point quite clearly to the congregation that, you know, we've all here in the United States lived um, a lifetime of cheap energy. I mean, all you have to do is travel to Europe or Asia and find out what the cost of energy is there. And so we have been able to spend that money on whatever instead of energy and, you know, at the cost of our environment. And so we made it a big point uh, in our delivery and our narrative that we felt we all need to pay it forward. And we all need to pay it forward for our grandchildren. We need to pay it forward for the next seven generations. And, you know, it's not just the uh, human inhabitants, as you mentioned, you know, the the amount of uh, species that are being lost because of climate change. Um, so this is all part of uh, the, the planet that was given to us. And I think we just need to be good stewards. And that was also part of our, uh, you know, we, we talk about stewardship a lot in churches. And uh, this is stewardship of the earth. Yeah, I just uh, it's, it's that's that whole that's that whole thing about you know what so impresses me about about your uh, your whole project there is is that is that you, you took action at the local level to improve um, the carbon footprint of your church and and all and you know local action is not everything but but it is uh, I believe. You know, multiplied many millions of times. You know, there is profound effect. Uh, I, I, I have really no question about that. And, well, I think and, it's like throwing a pebble into a pond. You know, the ripple effect. Um, I mean, here I am having a conversation with you for your audience there in Kansas City, and uh, the Holy Heat Pumps has already hooked me up with uh, people in New York and New York State and out in Utah. Um, and so I think this local effort and literally, like I said, you know, this was we couldn't do um, any more at home. Uh, and, and my wife and I have been uh, rental you know, landlords and we flipped houses. We flipped six of them in our block uh, because it was a college town and it had a lot of college rentals and we turned them into single families. So this was just an extension of what we had been doing throughout our entire married life. But it did allow us to be able to reach out farther. And, you know, this this interview right now is a prime example. And I hope going forward that, um, you know, it's it provides a model. It provides inspiration. Um, I, I know it has for some of our congregants who are now starting to think about, oh, well, I need a new furnace. Maybe I should look into this heat pump thing, because I think that's where we all need to be is electrified and heat pumps. Yeah, I looked up uh, where Decorah, Iowa was on, on Wikipedia. Uh, I admit it, and uh, and you're right there on the uh, your county's right there on the uh, the state line with Minnesota. So you get some really cold winters up there. You want to talk about the uh, performance? You get you got solar panels on your church, and you also uh, got a number of heat pumps. Can you talk about the, how heat pumps uh, work quite well in very cold temperatures there? Sure. sure. 
Well, yes, we have 56 kilowatts now of solar uh, that's going to supply supposedly on paper every anyway. Uh, we haven't had it long enough to be able to verify, but on paper, it's going to supply 100% uh, of our electrical needs. And we have two different kinds of heat pumps. We have four five-ton LG uh, geothermal heat pumps and a large um, geofield in our, back, our backyard, which is a big green space. And then we have three air-to-air -air heat pumps, which is what Mission Green put in. Uh, the, the geo heat pumps were done in a remodeling project of which I was kind of spearheading the HVAC at that time. Uh, and we chose geothermal because it was the most efficient, quite frankly. Uh, at 450% efficient, uh, it is something that you never have to worry about because your, your buried cable or your buried tubes are in the ground. Pretty constant temperature around 50, 55 degrees. And so regardless of how cold it might be outdoors, uh, you are going to have something that a heat pump can work with. Now, the air-to-air -air in 2018, as I was presenting it to the congregation, was <laughs> not at a point where we felt that it was efficient enough that we weren't going to have to use a backup heat source. And that can get very expensive. If you have to have electricity, uh, electric-resistive heating as a backup, um, not only from the infrastructure, but also the cost of just operation. But during the interim between 2018 and 2022, when I was designing the system that we put in with Mission Green, the heat pump technology has improved a lot for cold climates. And it is now, uh, there are some manufacturers that when it gets so cold, they just shut them down. But the LG heat pumps that we have will continue to create heat or move heat, excuse me, they don't create heat, they move heat. Uh, all the way down to probably 25 below. It just becomes less and less efficient, takes more electricity to operate. But we did put in a 15 kW resistive heat uh, backup uh, for our sanctuary because we have a historic organ and a grand piano and they don't like to go through those wild heat swings. So we do have a backup. Uh, I don't think honestly that it'll ever need to be used. And the reason I say that is because we installed finished the installation of the air-to-air uh, -air heat pumps in January of 2023. Three, about a week, three or four days later, um, it went down to minus 17 below. And it stayed there for three nights in a row. And I was concerned. So every morning at 7 a.m., I would go down to the church and see how things were going. And we had, we had the thermostats at a, a 67 degree set point. And it, the, the three heat pumps held it there throughout the entire time. There was never a dip. And so that's very impressive. And if it'll hold 67 degrees at minus 17, I'm quite sure it will keep us from freezing up. Uh, and if it ever goes below 50, we've taken care of our, our organ and our grand piano. Okay, and the power for those heat pumps in, in, in that cold weather was uh, powered by your solar panels. Is that correct? Well, it will be. At that point in time, we did not have oh. the pergola that has the... Uh, oh, okay. We only had uh, 21 kilowatts up at that time. And now okay. since then, we've added another 27. Plus, through our, our electric utility, uh, we have uh, net, net metering up to 110%. So if we generate more in July than we need, we can use it in January. And so okay. through our uh, utility we can generate up to 110% of our projected need. And that goes into basically into storage and then we can utilize that back and it's a one-to-one. -one, so it doesn't cost us anything to do that. 
Um, and it's a real advantage that was actually one of the things that was accomplished by the Winshik Energy District and the Iowa Utilities Board, because that's not exactly what the utilities wanted to do, but it, they were required to. Okay, uh, Jim. Just uh, we're going to have to kind of wrap it up here fairly soon. But what do you uh, what do you envision for Mission Green going forward? Well, I don't want to build anymore. <laughs> oh. I, I'm I'm past that. But what I do want to do, I'm a teacher, and I'm hoping to be able to help other organizations or other individuals um, figure out how to make this work for them. Um, and especially now with the IRA bill in place, you know, it's a fire sale right now. People aren't thinking about this. They should be because they will never have it any cheaper than what it is right now to replace aging HVAC infrastructure or in, add solar to their to their uh, facility. So, yeah. you know, there's a process and I'm hoping to help with that whenever somebody has questions. Right. Well, your 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 uh, narrative, your story there, and and what you did is just all extremely impressive, and and uh, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to. Uh, I do have an ending statement, and then we're going to kind of wrap this thing up here. Um, I'd like to relay information that John Agan of the Department of Energy shared on the Holy Heat Pumps webinar on October twenty fifth of this year. He said that due to changes made by the Inflation Reduction Act. Charities, churches, universities, local governments can receive cash payments from the IRS equal to the full value of clean energy tax credits, even though these organizations do not owe any federal taxes. This is a golden opportunity for thousands of these types of organizations to receive significant funds for clean energy related projects. He stated that there has to be a, a process that's done by these organizations you have to identify a project, complete it, register it, as I understand it, with the IRS, file an annual return with the IRS, and then receive payment from the IRS. And he gave the website as irs.gov slash elected pay uh, to find out about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, that's irs.gov slash elected pay. And uh, obviously, you're going to have to contact the IRS about that issue. And the EPA uh, established uh, 16 uh, environmental justice thriving communities technical assistance centers around the nation uh, to help uh, organizations with uh, these kinds of things. Uh, the one closest to us here in Kansas and Missouri is the Environmental Finance Center at Wichita State University. Uh, so just Google them. Uh, again, that's the Environmental Finance Center at Wichita State University. Uh, regarding tax credits and rebates for individuals from uh, for solar panels, EVs, heat pumps, induction stoves, energy efficiency upgrades, et cetera, related to the Inflation Reduction Act, there is a wealth of information from rewiringamerica.org. Uh, there are potentially thousands of dollars in benefits per American household, so don't miss out. Again, that is rewiringamerica.org. Uh, you've been listening to Radioactive Magazine on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. And we've been talking with James Fritz, founder of Mission Green LLC in Decorah, Iowa. Uh, Jim, we deeply appreciate you being on our show today. And all the best to the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and Mission Green going forward. What's, uh, what's the website for Mission Green that you have there? 
Jim? www.missiongreen.llc. Thanks again so much for being on Radio Up Magazine. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And let's let's move the needle in climate change.